Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, we are back on Fizz Radio, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. I'm we, fired up, Tim. I'm fired Tim up. Leonard and Harrison Singer this week. Thanks for listening, whether it's on the podcast or on the Score 1260. Got you till 10 a.m. this morning. Harrison, we didn't have a Fizz Radio last week. We celebrated Thanksgiving. To those listening, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Hope you didn't watch Syracuse basketball much, because that may have diminished your Thanksgiving, as it did mine, I know. But we... You know, we had a Fizz Radio two weeks ago after Bucknell, and it'd be fascinating to listen back to Gil Gross and Jonathan Hoppy doing that because that was fresh off the 97-point performance, the Joe Girard game that looked pretty good, and then Syracuse. In the time that we haven't been on the air, haven't done a Fizz Radio, loses three games in a row, blowout fashion, and all of a sudden we're back to reality with the Syracuse basketball team again, yet again, they are frustrating. They can't score. Joe Girard disappears. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just, it's hard to fathom it turned that quickly. But uh, frankly, it's probably not even rock bottom based on what we've seen so far. No, I would definitely agree with that. It's not rock bottom. It's not like the season's not going to get harder when ACC play rolls around. Like, you know, this, uh, we were talking about this right before we hit the airwaves this, this morning that this is the f- worst eight game start in. The history of Syracuse under Jim Beheim, four it's and nuts. four, and we all know that for the test of time, like a lot of these other major programs, they don't. Syracuse doesn't start the year against its toughest opponent. So to start four and four this year, before all the the hard stuff hits you, it's right. not encouraging whatsoever. And zero and four against Power Five competition, right. Virginia. You don't usually start the season against the defending national champions, but. Let's be honest. I mean, you still Virginia, should score more right. than 34, <laughs> 34 points. Yep. And, and Virginia just got crushed by Purdue. It's not like they are the national champions last year. And, and it was at yeah. home. And, I mean, we can make tons of excuses for all these games. The right. bottom line is, and the biggest thing for me right now, is when you look at the entire state of the athletics program after, I mean, going into last year, I thought, you know, Syracuse is a decent basketball school with the rising football program. Not a bad place to be for an ACC caliber school. They were fitting right in. Dino was bringing that football program up. Football lays an egg. They go five and seven. Huge disappointment. Not that this basketball team was supposed to be a juggernaut or something, but you'd like to get one respectable regular season in the past five or six years now. I mean, this is going to be six years in a row that they have been either on the bubble. I know they had a postseason ban in 2015, but mediocre period point blank they have been mediocre six years in a row and it has been a steady decline since hopkins left it's gotten even worse and that's probably the biggest thing there's just not a lot of talent on this team because jim's not recruiting like he used to without hopkins there right maybe i was naive too but i thought originally going into the season that perhaps the lack of talent or at least star power I want to use yeah. star power as a term, could have done Syracuse favors. I was uh, with you. They were like, we had talked about a few weeks ago on the show that this, I, never saying that the loss of Tyus battles a good thing, right? but it, I thought it would have forced the team to spread the love a little bit, and yet still we're seeing that same stagnant, isolation-based offense, and it honestly just makes things worse when you don't have a guy like Tyus Battle to rely on. And Shout out Tyus Battle, too, because I think a player of his caliber who I've 
for years said he's an NBA caliber yeah. talent. I think did himself a disservice by by sticking it out. Was forced to stick it out here for three years, but you know, talent-wise, could have been a one-and-done, but when you're playing at least defensively in a zone, and then you're the guy here at Syracuse, being the guy essentially only means that you're forced to jack up low-percentage shots, and I guess in turn, in Battle's case, you know, diminish your draft stock a little bit, and right. now I think that has shown in the recruiting. Yeah, Hopkins is a huge part of it, and I've even quoted Tyus Battle as a matter of weeks ago when he said... Hopkins was the guy that recruited me the whole time. And so you lose that. That's obviously huge. But it does not go well when you pair that with this stagnant offense. And I think a lot of people are are told, a lot of these top recruits are told, hey, maybe Syracuse isn't in a place that you might want to go. But at the very least, I think it's it's it doesn't have that same appeal, at least. And it's even more frustrating right now for me. And look, it's early. Like I'm not saying this is a completely I'm lost the panic season. Button. I'm I know the you panic are, and, and I'm pretty much there. I mean, how could you not be after what no, we they saw? Don't, they, they can't put up points, man. They yeah, can't. They it, can't score. I'm with you. I'm with you. But they're probably going to do at some point in ACC play, go on a little bit of a run, give us some false hope, maybe get some bubble talks. I'm sick of it. I, I, just thinking about I, that, which mm. I know is coming, makes me frustrated. But the reason why I'm so frustrated right now, let's hear it, is because. What's next, man? I mean, how does this get better? For the first time, I, I don't know why it was this specific stretch of games, and it sounds maybe dumb to that it's taken me this long. I, I've been on the cusp, but this stretch of games, it really hit me like Bayheim is he, it's not getting better with Bayheim at the helm right now, right? But say when he goes out and he's not going to get fired, I know people are saying he should be fired. And, and look, I, I agree. Like the game has kind of passed him by in a lot of regards and you're not getting the results there. A lot of reasons why people should be in that camp. But realistically, I don't think there's any scenario where he doesn't walk out on his own terms at no, this stage. Absolutely. So absolutely. when he does walk out, though, what's next, man? Because. I don't. I look at these assistants. That doesn't get me excited. Recruits are even going to dip more. You think, and it just becomes. If this isn't rock bottom somehow, because I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's my biggest concern. That concern and the question of what's next. That is so valid to ask. And well, I'm not John Wildack, but at the end of the day, I think the solution is to clean house. Not saying that. Oh, everyone around Jim Beheim, especially guys who you know, kind of grew up in his wing as far as the right. development of coaching goes, like Hopkins. But I don't think that extending or carrying on that Beheim tree is the solution here. I think when you you even just said it, the game is past him. But you know, for years and even beforehand, it. I think now we're seeing the game is past him more than ever. Sure, but it's not like. Syracuse has schematically, it's, it's never been, yeah, because it's never, they've never schematically been ahead of the game. It's, oh, we've been able to recruit people well, you know, being a, a, I'd a argue team that's had 49 straight winning seasons. We have the history working yeah. in our favor. And, and you know, Beheim obviously is notoriously known to say, like, you know, four months of the year, the weather's beautiful. The other, it's basketball season. Basketball is really sure. the heart of the school, no matter you know how treacherous the weather conditions and and whatever whatever other other factors might be. But you know, they have they've had that history to fall back on. Now, I think history 
in a lot of facets of, of sports and society, it's just becoming less relevant. And, and with the progression of player empower, empowerment and just the abandonment of a lot of traditional concepts, yeah. what does the 49 straight winning seasons mean? Which also is currently in jeopardy, even if it's <laughs> early on. But who knows when they go in through ACC play? Like you said, maybe they'll give us you know this false glimmer of hope. I don't even see that happening this year. Call me a critic. Say he's being too harsh. I'll take the smoke there. But they have not shown me anything no, that I would be, that would leave me convinced. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. And even if they go ahead and beat Georgia Tech today, like congrats. I mean, your Syracuse basketball, the old Syracuse basketball, would never have a problem with Iowa at home or. Right. I, I know this is a tougher schedule, but it's not like they're just losing these games. They're losing in the way that we've seen this team lose in non-conference play and in the regular season for the past five years now. Right. This is the sixth year of it. I and mean, I- the writing is on the wall at this point. You look at the stats, and just to rattle off a couple here, when you compare what these past five years, not even including this season, so 2014 to 2019, they're averaging 14 losses per season. 70 yeah. losses in right. the last five so, years. Yeah, it's even just the way they're getting into tournaments. It's, oh, yeah, you can kind of try and suppress these thoughts with, yeah, but they've made runs, they've won games. And I, the one, the mo- the year I literally always harp on is that Michigan State win in the Sweet 16 run they had yeah. a few years ago. Not the Final Four runs, whatever. That that year where they, they squeaked by Michigan State. Like, they did not deserve to, to, to be that far. But... Another thing that stands out to me when when you talk about looking at history and whatnot, you look at this year versus, you know, past years, right? You say, oh, we opened up or Syracuse opened up at home against Virginia. They lost to the defending national champions. And while Virginia struggled, which makes it a little worrisome, I still think they'll right the ship. And regardless, they're a good defensive team. Then you say, oh, well, at the Barclays Center in in Brooklyn, Syracuse lost to Oklahoma State and Penn State. And say, oh yeah, Syracuse has always kind of struggled, uh, you know, playing lately. in New York lately in recent history. But the way they are losing these games it's should awful. absolutely leave you concerned moving forward because it's not as if they're really competitive in them. If they were losing them and putting up a fight, it's like, oh, there's signs here that they can rectify and eventually right the ship. There's no real indication of that, and Beheim himself has admitted that they're going to struggle and likely keep struggling. That's the thing. I mean. There's no light at the end of the tunnel here. Like, to me, the number one issue and the number one reason why they're losing games, lack of talent, lack of good recruiting, lack of Syracuse caliber recruiting, what we used to see when they were in the Big East. And I know it's easy to point blame on the fact that Hopkins left. And I'll tell you what, after seeing this week, it really stings that Syracuse had Mike Hopkins. I mean, he was right there, and I know he left before Beheim decided that he was going to extend his and get that contract extension, and now he's coaching under his son, and it's a cool thing for him and whatnot, but I don't know if the writing was just on the wall there, and that's why Hopkins decided to leave. Regardless, what Washington is doing, they have two of the top seven recruits in the country. Right. Isaiah Stewart would be and at Syracuse seven and right one. now. Yeah. From Rochester, he's going out to Washington. That's for a his reason. Dad, his dad doesn't even want to fly. Right. I don't know if you've... He, he's scared of flying, right. so he's taking 40 hours of trains to, to get to Washington all because of Mike Hopkins. It's blatant. It's so blatant. And you talk about also these feel-good stories. Do you, as, a, as an athletic department of a of a, of a university that's been prominent for decades, especially in the late 80s when they were out here in the Sugar Bowl and also reaching the Final Four. 
shame on you, Keith Smart, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> That's all way in the past. But you are you do you want to focus on these, you know, feel good stories of of Bayheim, who I don't mean to hate on the legend he is in the area of central New York too much, but let it out, man. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a, I might cap a little bit, but regardless, you do you want a guy like that, a legend, bringing in his son who's yes, capable to play at the next level, or do you want? And this is what I really think the solution is, especially at this point, especially the state of recruiting. Or do you want to focus on success, results? And I don't think that involves Jim Beheim. Maybe that involves Buddy Beheim, but not this whole, oh, like, you know, father-son thing. It involves Buddy Beheim playing for, a, or at least, I don't know, whoever the coach is, even if it's Jim for crying out loud, but in an offense where things are fluid and things are running well and you're you're scoring and you're and there's just an efficient there's a there's an efficiency and a flow and then him inadvertently whoever his dad is and whoever the coach yeah. is him contributing as you know a potential three point threat he is cuz just for the kind of player he is you know would you you can even argue that and this is not knocking on buddy cuz buddy is you know he's shown signs but one can argue that he has played more than he would have Sure. Even if it's by one, two, three minutes per game, the fact that that conversation can even be had because his dad's the coach should speak to at least one of the many problems that I think need a bit right. of cleaning up. I uh, I was at this sec. I was at both Barclays games, and I was at the second one, and it was interesting because I went with my sister who lives in New York City. I was staying there over Thanksgiving with her. And her boyfriend came to the game with us, who is an NBA fan. He's a Knicks fan, which tough for him. Good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've been down that road a little bit. Let's but not talk about it. We'll, we'll, that's for another podcast. Ooh-y. But it's interesting because he had never watched Syracuse basketball, really. More of an NBA fan. And it was funny picking his brain at this game. We're about halfway through this first half where Syracuse has about five points. The standing clap took four and a half minutes. It was awful. It was boring. <laughs> Those and have gotten longer and longer yes, over it's the years. Terrible. That's so funny. Uh, the, the Barclays ones were really bad. <laughs> so my legs get tired. But one thing he said that stood out, really the first thing he said after he dissected the game for five or six minutes, a guy who doesn't really watch much Syracuse basketball, he turned to me and goes, Everyone's just standing. Yep. There's no movement. Yep. And it's, I mean, anyone, an alien could come down and tell you that this is not how it's supposed to be. So that's concerning to me because I think with the pieces you have in place, yeah, they might lack. And again, I don't want to say the talent as much as I'd refer to it as the star power because, look, I think with the, the talent level they have, it's like with a really forward thinker, like... Like, you're not going to find a Brad Stevens on the street, but like Brad Stevens coached at Butler and made two Final Fours. Yeah. So I do think what you said earlier, clean house, you've got to hire from outside. You have and to I completely hire from outside. Some people are going to be listening to this and say, get Hopkins back. I don't think that's happening. No, it's not. And so Tyus Battle, find as a plan even B. When, when I asked Tyus Battle, the, when he said that was the guy who recruited me the entire time, the question literally was, is there a chance the hopeful? I guess I don't want to say Syracuse fan, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we do cover Syracuse here. And and you know, I said to him, I asked him, "Is there any shot he comes back?" He goes, "That guy recruited me the entire time, but absolutely not, absolutely not." And honestly, good for him for finding you know a spot that he feels like he doesn't need to return back to Syracuse. Right. But, but you know, it's unfortunate that it transpired the way. And I, I'm kind of curious uh, so far the inner works of that because for years he was you know deemed right as this this guy waiting in the wings. Yet I don't know if that was always his plan of mind or if something came up. It I was think a that's, perfect succession plan that right. is now foiled. I don't know what what went wrong. What happened? Uh, I could talk about this for 
hours, and I know you could too, but that's the state of Syracuse basketball right now. I'm glad we got out some of our venting a little bit. Well, a lot we'll more t- of that came from. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk some football, which unfortunately that that's not much positive, although there was a fun last game. So we'll dissect that next and sort of put a bow on this season, how it will be remembered. That's on the other side on Fizz Radio, right here on the score twelve sixty. <laughs> We are back on Fizz Radio. Took the break to uh, catch our breath a little bit. Basketball is in the rear view, at least for now. We'll talk some more about basketball later on. Got you till 10 a.m. this morning. Tim Leonard, Harrison Singer. Now we're going to talk football, which I thought maybe going into the season this would be the more positive topic. And I don't know. It, it's, a contest. <laughs> it's a contest for which Psych. one hurts more right now, Psych. which is a sad state of, yep. of Syracuse athletics at the moment. But there was a fun way to end the season. You get the really epic play with Trill Williams running it back, and the seniors go out with a good send-off. It was a a feel-good way to beat a good Wake Forest team that, yes, was battling some injuries, but part of the reason why Syracuse struggled is they've been battling injuries this year. You go 5-7, and and now it becomes, what will we remember this season for at this point? To me, I guess it's, it's a season that's pretty much falling short of expectations. We'll remember all the hype going in. And there were a couple plays and a couple moments in there that BC game sticks out. It'll probably be a lasting nightmare in a lot of people's eyes. But for you, what what does the season go down as now? A letdown. How else would you describe a 5-7 and season fresh off of a 10-win season where you won the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, right? That, yeah. There's no other way to describe it. They were a young team that a lot of people viewed as, you know, only thing, only thing, things were only going to get better from there. Say, I think also after last season when they won 10 games and, and won their bowl game, it was like, dang, if we can knock off Clemson and obviously take care of everyone else that we Orange presumably bowl. will just, you know, exactly. Yeah. And... The only way to describe the result that ended up happening is the one giant letdown. It it hurt more because the expectations were high. And it probably will go down as that season that the offensive line kind of ruined. For me, I mean, that's that's probably the biggest that thing that stands one. out. That's the number one they, thing. They allowed 50 sacks. Yeah, that, no, that and, is, yeah. I mean, come on, like... You play 12 games, you allow 50 sacks, right around four sacks allowed per game. That's 128th in the country out of 130 teams. Absolutely. You're just, I've always been an advocate for offensive line is probably underrated. If anything, you go as your offensive line goes for a running back, even for a quarterback. But, I mean, you're not going to win games if you give up that many sacks. The offensive line is, and I'm totally with you, I would argue... It's it's tied with the quarterback, if not more important, because you know you have to buy the quarterback time, yeah. and we even saw too. Like I don't want to completely change worlds here, but I will re- make an NFL reference here. Dak, there's no way that Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys had the would have been able to have the rookie season he had. Yeah, if it weren't for that offensive line. Same thing goes for Zeke. Even though I think Zeke's much better at playing his position than Dak is at quarterback. Back to Syracuse for a second. Losing your center, Sam Heckle, is a tremendous loss. I even spoke with Josh Black last week, who used to play offensive line in high school. He was actually recruited and got his first Division One offer as an offensive lineman, really? funny enough. Yeah. But yeah, you he, wrote a cool story about him. That's orangefizz.net. Yeah, I was going to say, check that out. plug. Mm-hmm. Check, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Check that out on orangefizz.net. But he and I concurred that. 
oftentimes offensive linemen are the smartest guys on the field. And I think brain power at any position, if you if the game moves slower to you than most, if you know your assignment on every play and how you know people are going to try and line up against you, I think that is probably the most important thing. It might actually be more important because everyone at this stage is essentially athletic enough to yeah. compete. If you have the brains to match with that, it's game over. And I think losing Sam Heckle was huge. Obviously, you know, then losing Ryan Alexander, who they were probably pretty excited about when he announced that he was transferring. That's probably the biggest thing is is he underwhelmed so much mm-hmm. and there was a lot of pressure on him. And I don't think we ever really entertain the idea that he could be that bad based on coming from South Alabama with some credentials. Right. But looking back on it, hindsight's twenty twenty. It probably was foolish to just insert him in the starting lineup and assume he could be that Coda Martin, right? Because Coda Martin came from Texas A&M. Yeah. it's a lot different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, the competition, the speed, the, the just the way that a lot of these guys are coached. You're now playing against you know against these ACC schools. It's it's definitely a wake up call. But it's just disappointing that you know he wasn't able to really find his footing and adjust because growing pains are fine. Growing pains are even expected, yeah. but. You know, and and I don't want to rip on the guy, but you know, we also didn't really get to see the opportunity to grow out of those potential growing pains because he just but dipped. You know, we we gave it. I mean, Dino, definitely enough time. Yeah. yeah, definitely enough time. It wasn't working. It's just yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate at the end of the day, I in, agree. in retrospect, that it it did not work out. It definitely did not work out. But those changes overall, and and just. The way you can combine the, the Ryan Alexander saga with the loss of Sam Heckle is just turnover and dysfunction and chaos. You can't have that surrounding. You can have that the running back position. You know, Syracuse actually has a few adequate, very adequate running backs. But, There's tons of talent, but it's you just, can't have that at the running back position yeah. at, at the offensive line, and you can't have that obviously right. at the quarterback position. And that's something you know, even though they're oftentimes Tommy DeVito never really even got a fighting chance. I think the the transition from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito can also be addressed as well as not nearly as much of a driving factor as that offensive line dysfunction, but something worth mentioning and yeah. able to be expanded. He underwhelmed. Upon. I mean, point he did. blank. He did. And, and, and there were injuries. And like you said, the offensive line did him absolutely no favors. Absolutely. And, and there was a sense of... Once that offensive line was so bad, he became a shattered confidence right. quarterback. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, it's hard. He's a first-year starter. Terrible circumstances. But based on what we expected from him, based on what we saw in the brief times that he came in relief for Dungy the year prior, you expected there were, more. There from were him. there were ups and downs. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I personally, I, I don't want to be this pessimist, this this pessimistic person. Um, but I my expectations weren't set too high, honestly, because look, this guy is a pretty gifted pocket passer. Yeah. He's got arm talent, but I've always, 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 always have not been fully sold on you know what's inside of his head. What's because right. I think we talked mentioned with offensive linemen, and I you know I mentioned that it is important pretty much at any position, but especially quarterback. Yeah. I think arguably it's like I've heard. Very, very distinguished analysts, former players, former coaches say if you're playing quarterback at you know, Division One, at least ACC level, it's it should be a given that you're able to make just about any throw. Like you have the arm talent to throw a ball accurately 20, 25, 30, even 50, you know, 45 yards down the field. Yeah. But if you don't have the, the 
the intellect and the you know the leadership, but it's a certain kind of leadership. Then you're not actually going to you know have as much success as your physical traits would right kind of dictate you should have. You've always, I mean, you said seven and five for them, and you probably took some flack for that at the start of the season. Yeah, because a little bit. And I, I thought I was being generous, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not even trying to say, oh, I told you so. I'm not. Because, look, at the end of the day, between what's going on with the football and basketball teams, it, it, they make me sound like someone who's simply angry at the world. And I can assure everyone tuned in right now on this fine Saturday morning, that is not you the case. You live a good life. You're right, happy. Right, <laughs> it's not the case. I am a happy yeah. person. But I, I tell you, you, that is compromised by just the underwhelming performances week after week that right. these teams are putting forth the football and basketball squads. So, you know. Yeah. Well, now you look ahead to next year, and Dino said changes are going to be made. I mean, obviously, you've, like you've got to address you know? the defensive coordinator position. Whether you stick with someone in-house, I'd like to probably, like similar to what I said about the basketball stuff, I'd like to see them go out, out of their program and hire someone with a background. You'd think Dino has some of those credentials now to pull in a pretty solid defensive coordinator. And you know what, though? I think it's 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 definitely more so on the defense, but I'm going to come back to the offense a little bit because yeah. I felt like the game plan was very simple this year. I don't think they took... And I, I know a lot of that speaks to the offensive line, I, very much so, and just the right. residual confidence, the lack or lack of thereof confidence. It was a trickle-down effect. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, the game plan was simplified and also worth noting that it's not like they were... You know, even though, albeit sometimes, it's not like they were asking Eric Dungy to make, you know, heroic throws that a lot of top pocket passers that you see get drafted in the NFL or, you know, being asked to, to make. It's not like they relied on his arm particularly to facilitate their offense, to, to, to get their offense going. But he had the leg, he had, you know, some some mobile ability for sure. But he was, just, he was just a physical specimen too. Yeah. Like, is he 6'2", six, 6'4", six, something, something. He's big. You know, at least <laughs> average height, if not more, um, right. for a quarterback. And 230 pounds with speed. That's something that at the college level, it you don't have to make every throw at all if you have those physical traits. And Dungey was able to rely on them no matter how dinged up he got as a result. Well, Dino has said, we're not going bowling, but we can go recruiting now. So... You look at the class that they have coming in, nothing really too special, no four stars yet, and yeah, it's going to be even yeah. tougher to pull in some recruits after going five right. and seven. That's, some of that steam has exactly, gone down. Exactly. It's exactly what I was, was on my mind. It's like things are not, matters will not be improved after a five and seven season whatsoever. And I think, look, prove me wrong, Tommy DeVito. I, I'm not trying, not, <laughs> not to completely single call you out because this season was not. I wouldn't even say completely, but not your fault. Game. It was yeah. not Tommy DeVito's fault. But if you want to recapture any glimpse of the, the what was clearly present, the energy just from you know the energy and dynamic of that ten and three team that finished off the season on such a high note, then I think you're gonna need more out of your quarterback. Obviously, more than what you got, way more you know out of your offensive line than you got too. Yeah, but, it does kind of feel like next year is kind of that tiebreaker it's like a rubber match game three feel to it because back-to-back years now Syracuse compare has done sort of the opposite of what expectations said two years ago they exceeded them and people were saying oh maybe this is the year they make the bowl they go 10 and 3 huge breakout season yada 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 Dino looks great now you do the opposite where you don't meet expectations so now going into next year it's like 
what do you predict with this team? And it feels like this is going to be that test for and, and I believe in Dino still are you still so of- so here I was you, you literally one <laughs> read my mind because I was gonna say I don't mean to put you on the hot seat I don't mean to burn your bottom but after two four and eight seasons yeah the 10 and three absolutely will throw him a bone but now following that up with a five and seven season and I know it's not nearly all Dino's fault yeah but where does where does that situation go as far I, as job I security? I still think he's the guy. And it looks bad when you say four and eight seasons, but let's not forget, Dungy got hurt in those seasons. It was rebuilding. He came with not much. And also, they beat Clemson. They beat Virginia. Like, they showed progress in those well, that's seasons. The thing, that's the thing that I think he does better than most, really almost any other coach in the country or Power Five conferences is the motivation, the motivational aspect of 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 getting players to want to fight and go to war for him. But what I worry about with Dino and and haven't really seen a game where this has happened is like I've never seen him or anyone you know on his offensive staff that he's hired like literally pick apart the team tactically that they're playing. Right? They they yeah. they will they would win games at ten and three, and this speaks a lot, a lot to the gritty nature of Dungey's game. But they would beat teams by overpowering them, over mustering them, but they wouldn't tactically, you know, pick you apart like we see, you know, at least, you know, as far as we see at Oklahoma um, with right. Lincoln Riley and stuff like that. It's, and now you pair that, though, with these five and seven seasons. Like, I I just do have to ask, and, and I don't want to see Dino go because I think he's a great guy and a great coach. And I don't want to see his job security even be compromised. But I don't think it is. It's not like, but it's not like they're going to be set up next year to really improve much because of the recruiting that we were just talking about or lack thereof. Like, it's not like they're going to be set put yeah, in a position next year. Yeah, but you think offensive year. line, you get Heckle back. Hopefully, he stays healthy. I mean, right. People should just get better, and I, I guess that's the theory we said going into this season. And guys like Nike right, Johnson was, regressed, yeah, I but say. I don't know. I mean, they shouldn't be five and seven again. No, they shouldn't. I don't know what the so projections. So that's the thing. So though. that's where I was getting is what if they go six and six, maybe make a bowl game, see, see, find themselves in the pinstripe bowl. Is that good, good enough? Is that good enough? I because don't think that's so. a realistic possibility. I don't mean to be the cynic time and time again. I don't. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. But I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, Devito, as much as he underwhelmed this year, he's a four star. You got to capitalize with him during this time period. He's one of the better recruits they've gotten in a while. So to go five and seven in his first year, six and six in the second year with him, I mean, that's not capitalizing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, but the the four, I wouldn't. Four star, yeah. <laughs> prove it, prove it. Honestly, I I don't right. even mean to be like this this downer. Just I hear you, man. Prove it because look, I only speak off history, right? I, I I there's no reason. I'm trying to be the realist that kind of brings these all these expectations that are thrown out here down to earth. Because at the end of the day, we see year after year just expectations not met and it's been so consistent so i'm just trying to be the voice of reason here and if you don't agree with it i'm sorry but recent history would definitely side with me on on these takes all right well we got to hit a break real quick when we come back georgia tech today for syracuse coming up in a couple hours we'll dive more into that matchup get you comfortable with the yellow jackets and discuss whether syracuse has a shot of bouncing back today this is fizz radio on the score 1260 
Game day here on Fizz Radio, and we're going to get you set for it. Welcome back, Tim Leonard, Harrison Singer, wrapping up the show. And we're going to talk some Georgia Tech, Syracuse. That's the game today coming up at noon. You can always follow along on Twitter at Orange Fizz and check us out after the game. OrangeFizz.net will have your recap of the game. So, Harrison, you got to bounce back here. It's game four of five in a row against Power Five competition. You look at Georgia Tech and they did go on the road and beat NC State to start out the season. A pretty solid win for the Yellow Jackets. So they're 1-0 in ACC play. They've got a Power 5 win, which is something Syracuse does not have. But really a game that Syracuse should and really could win because they're 69 on Ken Palm. Syracuse is 68. So again, it's it's an even matchup. But Syracuse probably has more talent than this Yellow Jackets team. I mean, I would agree. Uh, I would, yeah, generally just agree. Resident- reiterate that and and say yeah and I just but who knows there's no reason to believe who they're knows? going to win yeah now, like based who on knows? What we've seen. I just I can't be sure about anything anymore gosh yeah. darn it <laughs> it's it's where we're at with Syracuse basketball right now yeah. and Georgia Tech they've got a postseason ban so there's not a ton of motivation there's a lesson yeah there's less incentive yeah and but it is it's on the road and Georgia Tech's a team that hasn't been good historically, but for whatever reason, they've given Syracuse fits. And Syracuse has lost, I think, three of the last four games to the Yellow Jackets. Josh Pastner has been able to crack that 2-3 right. zone a right. little bit. You see it enough times, maybe you start to figure it yeah. out. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, if I had to pick the game right now, I'd probably take Georgia Tech. Like, there's just no reason. Oh, at home? I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm yeah. definitely riding with Georgia Tech. There's just no reason to— take Syracuse based on what we've seen yeah. in the past three. And if you include Virginia in the four games against Power 5 competition, I mean, it has been excruciating to watch them try to score the basketball. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's 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 been it's been rough, and, you know, it, it's not like Georgia Tech either is— I, I get—it's it's been inconsistent with them defensively. I know, I'm, I'm looking at their last few games here. Elon allowing just 41 points. It's like it's not that impressive to say. You know, yeah. It's Elon, 82-81, slid up 81 points in a win against NC State. That game went into overtime. So it's like they're up and down. You know, winning and only allowing 56 points against a team like Nebraska, who's you know, a Power 5 team, that's, that's, that's the, solid. You know, yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying that Nebraska is this strong team coming out of the Big Ten and all, but you know, is Syracuse offensively comparable caliber-wise to a team like Nebraska, who we can expect in turn? Because that game was at Georgia Tech. Is something I, I would think that Syracuse will put up around, if not even less than the 56 points a team like Nebraska put up, and that was literally just uh, this past Wednesday. Yeah. So that was their Big Ten challenge so yeah, game. And also, you know, got a few wins, back-to-back wins, and and a few close games. Even at, before a two-game winning streak, they came up just short by one point against uh, Arkansas at home, and then they went to Georgia and lost just only by four. So they're like they're playing even without playing the incentive. Of Syracuse. postseason, they're not only playing yeah. better in Syracuse, but they're feeling themselves a little Insane bit off much. two straight wins, and they get the luxury of defending their home court. It's not a situation I would feel enthusiastic taking Syracuse in. So yeah, that answers that. Michael DeVoe's the guy for them to watch. He's putting up numbers. Second year guy who's more talented really than anyone outside of Elijah Hughes that Syracuse can put up, and for the Orange. 
you'd like to at least see Joe Girard just sort of, I mean, make a shot, like like score some points, just do it against <sighs> yeah. Power Five competition to an extent. I mean, at this point, if you want to make the tournament, it's not. A, oh, this isn't a must win, but like it's getting Madness. there. It's getting very late, very early for Syracuse. Oh yeah, it's isn't, it's never good to start the year off four and four. And like we were saying a little, worst start, a little earlier, yeah. right? The worst start in, ever under Jim Beheim. That's not. That's so far from ideal, and <laughs> you know when you think about why and and reasons for it, and and kind of trying to rationalize with it. it You've you've brought up multiple times. It may it might very well be a lack of talent. I think the lack of talent paired with the lack of coaching, because like this yeah. team's one tiest battle away from being maybe six and two, five and three, and we have a few less concerns, a few maybe. Yeah. Now, but you, you still have Barama Sadibe at center, who like I, I don't mean to be disrespectful or anything, but he's two hundred and ten pounds. He's not scaring. <laughs> anyone in ACC competition he's not an ACC starting center I don't even want to talk about that position because like last year I don't think anyone's brought more just con- just oh angst and contempt at any position at any team I've rooted for than Pascal Chuku yeah right? he c- but I'd rather have oh. Chuku right now at least he Would was I a rather rim protector. Lose an arm or a leg? <laughs> Come on, at now. least he <laughs> could grab a rebound. I don't think that guy for Penn State Sometimes. Watkins is getting ten offensive boards oh, yeah. against Chukwu. Yeah, and prior teams too, just against Syracuse down low, have bullied him. Like we've spoken, yeah. and you've even said to me, like teams don't face Syracuse saying, "Oh crap, we have to face Barama no in Syracuse." One, it's no like, one. all right, we get to face Syracuse. Yeah, they got the zone, but let's. Pound him yeah. down low and show Even the boss. Seattle coach, I chatted with him before that game, and he said, it's not the traditional Syracuse bigs they've got. Yikes. Teams know it. Schools Out here know firing. It. He's taking yeah. shots. But, hey, we did find one positive this week in Syracuse sports-related, and it's Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> yeah, right. He's back. Well, not we found here. a positive for you folks. 15 <laughs> years removed. <laughs> right. Western Conference Player of the Week, Carmelo Anthony. We'll talk about him and wrap things up with Fizz Feedback next. Closing up shop on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard, Harrison Singer. Thanks for listening, as always, whether it's on the podcast apps, whether you went to the website, orangefizz.net, to check us out. And feel free to reach out, comment on our podcast, rate, subscribe, Absolutely. all that good stuff. Five stars, please. We'd, we'd love that. Yeah, Syracuse and, don't get any of those anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, but Carmelo Anthony, pretty good week for him. Absolutely. We, we had to end on a positive note because we've been venting a lot in this podcast. Absolutely. Carmelo's looked really good. He said this is not a farewell tour. He goes out. First week back, essentially, he's Western Conference Player of the Week. It's been fun to watch him back out there. Absolutely, I. It's so easy to root for the guy as yeah. you know, being around Syracuse. It's, it's just, it's great to see. It's it, this was kind of in the works, or there was a lot of speculation around will he ever, you know, play again, and to have that translate into being awarded Western Conference Player of the Week. I mean, who Pretty would strong. have thunk, honestly? But funny story about Carmelo Anthony: when uh, Syracuse was in the 2003 Final Four, and I, I know this is this is definitely just a personal <laughs> story. Yeah. So my father actually, my dad left my at the time was my seven month pregnant. My mom who was seven months pregnant with okay. my younger brother, and he dipped out to New Orleans. He's like, I'm going to see them in the Final Four. And wow, gosh, uh, for his sake, you better hope are they won. Still and, together? And they're, 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 <laughs> they are. They're happily married. Uh, 20, 21 years. So shout out, I guess, Danny Props Jill, to your dad. That's 
He not only did he get the national title, and but won. yeah. <laughs> That's strong. Wow. So Carmelo Anthony, a, a part of everyone's life, I guess, absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely. Just gelling people again. It's, it's been a good fit for him in Portland, and I think that's the biggest thing. But it's good to see because, I mean, he was at that Virginia game, and he was there to watch that crap show. But, right, right before he signed the contract. Right. Announced, yeah. When he was there and he came to talk to the team, you never would have thought he'd be this quickly Western Conference Player of the Week. Mm, stay mellow. That's yeah. all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's really cool to see because, you know, him coming in but also accepting his role as as uh, a non, right, like st- guy who views himself as, you know, oh, I'm going to be the guy who takes all these shots. Yeah, we see him not shy to you know, take these opportunities, yep. but it's still, there's still an accepting of his role that's a lot different than in years prior when he's played, so that's, it's, it's just cool to see. Syracuse could use a talent like Mello right now. They got Georgia Tech in a little bit. Be sure to follow Orange Fizz on Twitter. For Harrison Singer, I'm Tim Leonard. We'll catch you next week on Fizz Radio.